0: Welcome to the Creation Today Show. I'm Eric Hovind, President of Creation Today. A woman once walked into a clockmaker's shop in Jerusalem and began gazing on the amazing handiwork all around her. Surely a lifetime's worth of work invested into these clocks. The clockmaker came up to the woman and asked, Do you like my clocks? The woman replied, Yes, yes I do. Which one is your favorite? The clockmaker looking around at his handiwork asked the woman a question. She said, do you have any children? Yes, the woman replied, I have three. The clockmaker asked, which one is your favorite? You know, questions are designed to get you to see something, to, to learn something, to, to reveal ignorance about a subject, or, or even to get you to come to conclusions without being told what the conclusion is. Someone once said there is more learning in the question than in the answer, and Jesus of Nazareth certainly understood this. My guest today is none other than Israel Wayne. Since 1995, Israel has traveled the nation. He speaks on family issues, homeschooling, uh, revival, discipleship, cultural issues. I mean, the guy is brilliant and well-read and (laughs) well-written. He has a desire to see God's people learn, to think and live biblically. Let's do it right. He accomplishes this through writing books, through speaking around the country, and with his website, familyRenewal.org. And if none of those work, he and his wife Brooke are having enough children to repopulate repopulate the nation all by themselves. Israel, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey my friends, great to be back on your show. I'm so glad to have you. Eleven kids. Wow, Eleven. man, that's awesome. Yeah, you, are, you are practicing what you preach, buddy. I mean we could talk about so many things right now. We, we could pretty much go any direction, and you are an expert in all the directions that we would go. Uh, you wrote a book, though, a couple years ago called Questions Jesus Asks. And I found this book fascinating because it gives us insight into, into God Himself, into, into the God-man, Jesus, who walked on the face of the earth. And I gotta start by just asking you the question, why did you write this book? Yeah, this was a a study that really
1: came out of um, my own personal Bible time in the Old Testament. Initially, I was reading along through the Old Testament and kept noticing occasions when God would ask questions of humans. And I thought that's really odd that God would ask people questions because one of the doctrines that we know to be true of God is that he's omniscient. He knows all things. And so when God asks Adam, where are you? Uh, or he asks Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? Or he asks Balaam, who are these men with you? It's obviously not that God doesn't know the answer, right? So if God is asking a question of a person, there must be a reason, and it's not for his benefit. It's not that he's trying to figure something out. He already knows the answer before he asks it. So what is it that God wants these people to think about or consider, Uh, or to evaluate about themselves, about their presuppositions and assumptions, about their relationship with God, their relationship with other people. So I ended up writing a book called Questions God Asks that went through about 19 different questions in the Old Testament that God asked different individuals. And then I started to think about how Jesus was really the master at asking questions. And he was... I think, uh, you know, some people think of Socrates and the Socratic method of teaching through asking, you know, as as being formulative to uh, really all of Western culture. But I think Jesus really set the tone for how to uh, address even hostile questions and antagonistic questions with a unique apologetic method of asking questions. And so I, I wrote the second book, the sequel, Uh, Questions Jesus Asks, which is 20 questions from the New Testament that Jesus asked individuals and uh, found it a little more complex than the first one. Theologically, there were some nuances and some things that I I hadn't really thought about before I started the work. Maybe we can talk about those, but uh, it was a fascinating learning experience for me in the writing process.
0: Well, if you guys are joining me on social media and I see a bunch of you on here, I appreciate you guys joining me. And to those of you that are partners with us uh, right here behind the scenes, thank you guys for hanging out on Zoom with me. I really appreciate you guys being here. I do wanna unpackage these things. Uh, I also wanna give away a couple copies of your book, Questions Jesus Asks, because as I went through this, I found it, I mean, I found it powerful and I got a couple of them that I'd like to ask you about uh, because We're dealing today with fear and anxiety, and and Jesus asked the question, why are you afraid at one point in his ministry? and So I got several things that I think we ought to go through. Uh, But if you want to get a copy of his book, I want you to ask a question in the chat. So those of you that are on any of the Facebook pages, I see you guys on there, or on our YouTube page, um, hey, Jacksonville, North Carolina, I see you. Two of my favorite people, Mark Spence, is being sweet and kind. He thinks Israel has dual personality, saying it's two of his favorite people. Uh, Thank you, Mark. Mark. Hey, so if you want to win a copy of uh, Israel Wayne's book, please ask any question in the comments on any of the pages, and uh, that will enter you to win a copy of this book, Questions Jesus ask. It could be a question you have for God. It could be a question you want Israel to answer. It could be both. Uh, but just ask a question in the comments there on social media and we will enter you to win a copy of this book. Uh, Amanda, let's try to give away at least a couple copies of this thing, okay? Because I think uh, people are gonna really enjoy it. If You don't end up being one of the select few that win. This book is available at creationtoday.org and it's definitely one that I would encourage you to check out and to read. Okay. Um, hey, let's, let's, let's dive into this if that, if it's okay. You go through 20 different questions in the book. I mean, who do people say that I am? Jesus asked that question. I think of backing up to the very beginning. I talk about creation all the time and you look at Genesis and right away in Genesis, there's questions that God asks that are pretty profound. I mean, the very first thing recorded of of God saying to, to Adam, you know, where art thou? And then, you know, who told you that you were naked? And hast thou eaten of the tree? Where have I commanded you not to eat? And then what have you done? What hast thou done? I mean, he's really good at asking questions to bring things out. So take us on a journey through why he asks questions and some of the questions he asks and, and just kind of disciple us here for a few minutes would you yeah well you know i've learned a lot about teaching my own children and communicating with <laughs> others
1: and uh, just leadership in general from the study of watching how god taught by asking questions and how jesus taught by asking questions because you can tell somebody what to think or what to believe but if you help them to think through the process on their own uh, it takes their understanding to a completely different level it really helps them to be able to own it And so when I started to write the questions Jesus asks book, there were a few dynamics that I had to consider that were unique. And of course, uh, one of the doctrines that we know of God, as I said, is his omniscience. He knows all things. And we know that Jesus is fully God, but also being fully man. And so I started to think about, you know, the incarnation and the humanity of Jesus and we have this big theological term that we use to describe the divinity and the humanity of Jesus and how they coalesce together. We call it the hypostatic union. You don't hear that term a lot outside (laughs) of academic circles, but the hypostatic union talks about just that complexity of Jesus being fully God and fully man at the same time. And I started to ask myself, you know, when Jesus was a toddler, let's say, did Jesus automatically know how to talk? Did he know how to speak every conceivable language? Did he know not to touch the hot oven? Did he uh, know how to be potty trained automatically? And and there's a few hints, a few things that the scripture tells us. You know, one of the things that it tells us uh, in that interchange with Jesus and his parents when he's 12, you know, where he asks questions. Why were you looking for me? And uh, didn't you know that I needed to be in my father's house? You know, the first time we see him, he's asking questions of the teachers of the law. He asks questions of his parents. Um, But then it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And I got thinking about that because I thought, you know, God is infinite. So God can't grow. You know, God can't increase his wisdom or his knowledge, and yet it says Jesus grew in wisdom, and so uh, somehow, and and we're told also in the scripture that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, and so being fully God and not denying that or diminishing that in any way, there does seem to be the sense in where Jesus in his humanity had to learn some basic things just as we do. And so that made this uh, task of writing the book questions Jesus asks a little more interesting. And there certainly were times where Jesus had special knowledge and where, you know, the disciples said things like he knew all men's hearts and that, you know, he he knew what they were talking about, you know, and so he would ask them a question because he he knew what they were discussing along the way. So there were these times where he, he definitely had special knowledge, but other times the scripture doesn't tell us emphatically, like, you know, when the woman t- touches his robe and he feels power to go out from it. He says, who touched me? Is he asking that question because he didn't know, or is he asking the question because he wants to draw the woman out? And so what I, what I tried to do in the book was to uh, when the scripture is vague on those issues to kind of leave it there, leave the tension hanging a little bit. uh, But then also to tell us that because of his divinity, uh, he obviously did have divine knowledge at certain points and was able to speak to people's hearts and reveal what was inside of them. You know, like the questions he asked to the rich young ruler. He knew what this man's problem was, his covetousness and his greed. And so, anyway, just fascinating uh, things that I learned through the whole process. And uh, I think people would be fascinated if they actually did a study through the Bible for themselves, you know, on the questions that God asked people and the questions Jesus asked people. And, of course, my book books kind of help guide them through that.
0: Well, I think that is a, a really cool tension. I remember learning back in school about, like back in college, about the the... This this, hundred percent God, hundred percent man, yeah. and and how the the passage that that say, I mean, one of my favorite passages in Philippians, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He, he literally took off his godness and became a human being. So what a cool what a cool um, dilemma to think through that he is 100% God, 100% man, and at the same time, he thought it not Robert to be equal with God. So I I enjoyed reading the intro to your book there, well, the first two chapters, going through this struggle of, okay, which is it? Diane is wondering, she's one of our partners, she says, hey, which question Jesus asked surprised you the most? I was like, well, I I normally save these questions for kind of the end of the webinar when it's just us, but I think that's a good question. As you were studying this, is there something you went... Wow, I mean, mean, because you're so many, so many that were shocking. I think one that came to my mind was
1: when he meets this man who's been paralyzed for 38 years by the pool of Bethesda, if I remember correctly, Um, and he asks him, "Do you want to get well?" (laughs) you know, and you just think, duh, you know, like, wow, what almost, well, is it almost what an insulting question? Like I feel really wrestle with these questions go, is this like an insult to this guy? I mean, he's been paralyzed for 38 years. Of course he wants to get well. And yet what's interesting is um, I know for people who work in counseling, And for those who are therapists and work with people, you know, that's actually a question that they'll ask people that they have in their counseling sessions is, what do you want to get out of this? You know, Jesus asked that question too. What do you want me to do for you? Because there are people who actually have their crisis, their disability, their dysfunction, um, their abuse from the past has become their identity. And they actually are afraid of moving past it and they're afraid of becoming something other than what they've been their whole life. So the question of do you want to get well is like immensely profound um because this person actually has to ask themselves like I've begged my whole life, I've had this as my identity, do I actually want to become a different person than I've been because sometimes that unknown of what that would be is scarier than the dysfunction. And people choose to just stay in their addiction or to stay in their abusive situation or whatever it may be. And so I I found that one to just be one that hit me really hard of like, just what an incredibly insightful and profound question of, you know, we shouldn't just assume that people actually want to change, that they actually want to move forward. Um, We can help people who do, but if people want to stay stuck and just blame and, you know, accuse others and be, you know, just be a victim. You really can't help people like that. And I think Jesus understood that.
0: Well, I mean, just that one question makes me wonder what what have you learned about the this may be the totally wrong way to say it. So correct me if I'm wrong here. What have you learned about the psychology of Jesus Christ, the psychology no. of God, the the thinking of God as you like, like yeah. that's something that you go, why would you ask that? And it's like, oh, that's actually a really insightful question. Because you're like, I'm thinking to people that I have dealt with that are drug addicts or things like that. And you really have to start by going, do you really want to get better? Because a lot of them don't. They don't want to get better. So well, what do you learn about the psychology of? of yeah. Can some I call Christians it that have or, or is that like the wrong way to word. put it? No, no. Some Christians have a problem with that
1: word. But I mean, it really just comes from psyche, which is mind. And ology or logos, right, which is the study of or discipline of something. So so really, psychology is just the study or discipline of the mind. Jesus told us we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our mind. So really, the people who should understand the mind the best and how it works should be Christians, so, you know, same thing with philosophy, you know, the study of wisdom, right? Uh, you know, that belongs to God, ultimately. So I think as Christians, we need to not be afraid of these disciplines. Obviously, the humanists twist and distort and apply, you know, untruths to those disciplines. And so we get that. We don't want to, you know, uh, engage in, in, in science falsely called, you know. But, right. uh, but Jesus really understood the mind of people and their hearts and their motives and he could get beyond the surface he could just get beyond the pretense you know the the woman at the well in, in Sumer- at samaria you know we just had this deflection you know where she wanted to get off on rabbit trails you've done a lot of evangelism you know you're you've done a lot of apologetics and so you know she tries to go off into you know this sort of theological argument of you know, well, you Jews say we're supposed to worship at the temple and we Samaritans say it's supposed to be up at the mountain. And, you know, who knows? No, nobody can really know what's true. You know, like she just does this deflection because he's honing in on her heart and her sin. Right. And what is she to try to, you know, get it off into some abstract theological argument. And Jesus brings it back to the heart of the matter. And he says, well, God, is spirit, those that worship him are worship in spirit and truth. And, and brings it back. And, you know, he had a way to penetrate the heart and get past the, the facade of just the academic arguments. And so there is so much that we can learn about how to minister to others, how to do apologetics, how to do evangelism, how to do relationship, how to train our children, how to pastor, you know, all these things from Jesus because he really was our model.
0: I want to remind you that are watching, I do want to give away a copy of uh, of Israel's book to a couple of people. So if you want to win a copy of this book, just put any question in the comments and you'll be answered to win. It can be, what's your favorite color? I don't care what the question is. But Israel, let's get into some of these questions that Jesus did ask. Somebody on YouTube was asking, um, did, does anybody provide a bad answer, a wrong answer back to Jesus and kind of how, how did that go? But maybe you can answer that as we go through a couple of these questions and kind of what we learn from these questions. Can you Either answer that, or go into maybe a couple of the of the questions that uh, that you think would be good for us, and then at some point I want to get into that question because he did ask, "Why are you afraid?" He's asking his disciple, what, "What are you afraid of?" You know, and I think no. I think at some point we need to get to that one today because we go to the YouTube question first. Okay, uh, you know, I think about Nicodemus where Nicodemus says, "Well,
1: that doesn't make sense. How could a guy go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time?" And <laughs> Jesus says, "Wait, you're, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't understand this." But Jesus doesn't say it in a mocking way because he's speaking to an elder. And so he addresses him in a respectful way. uh, And then he explains what it means to be born again. And so I think there's a sense sometimes where, you know, I would look at that from an apologetics or evangelism standpoint and go like stupid question. Boy, that would be a great opportunity for somebody snarky (laughs) and really make this other person look stupid. But Jesus doesn't do that. And I think, you know, that's a great example for us in how, you know, even if the other person is using... Uh, stupid logic or, or just doesn't get it you know how we have an opportunity to respond kindly uh as jesus did and ultimately to see um, them uh you know open to the to the gospel and so uh you mentioned the question about uh, fear you know are you afraid and uh, i actually just preached a sermon the first sunday of this year uh the very first sunday in january of 2022 and that was the topic. That I picked was overcoming fear because we've just come out of two years 2020 and 2021 where the narrative of fear has dominated uh the cultural landscape on so many fronts and it's not just inherent uh it is inherent but it's also concocted and manufactured it's manufactured uh in the news media um you know in fact um I, I saw an article in Psychology Today magazine uh, that that used the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads. And they were talking about how if you look at news media, um, if it scares people, that's what you're going to put on the on the front headline. So it's like, what's in your drinking water that you didn't know about that can harm you? Well, five minutes ago, you weren't thinking about your drinking water, but now you are and you're scared. And, you know, advertisers use it to manipulate us to buy things sometimes that we need, sometimes that we don't need. Uh, And it's very effective. There are studies that show, you know, these control groups that show that fear-based advertising drives people to make purchases. And so the media, um, the advertising industry, they intentionally capitalize on fear. And I talked about when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples in the middle of the storm, and they're panicking because they're afraid they're going to die. And he's sleeping and they wake him and say, don't you care that we're going to drown, that we're going to die? And he just says, why are you afraid? Uh, I mean, I think our answer would be because we're going to
0: die. That's why
1: we're afraid. <laughs> uh, and yet Jesus had no sense of fear that he was going to die. And, and just quickly um, with that, if you look at the context around it, he was headed across the Sea of Galilee to the Gadarenes, where these two demoniacs were there that he was going to deliver. And basically the narrative is he goes over there, he heals these demoniacs, it creates a little chaos, and then he leaves. And that was the only thing he did over there. So the only reason to take the boat trip was to go over there and help people and to serve people. And Jesus told us himself that he only did what he saw the father doing and he only did what the father told him to do. So Jesus said, I do nothing on my own. And so I think for us, one of the safest places to be is what Jesus was doing on that, to be on mission. Mm -hmm you know, to be about the father's work, doing what God's called us to do, doing what God's told us to do. And Jesus didn't have any fear because he was on mission. And he knew that he had a task to do. And the safest place to be is in the middle of God's will, doing what God's instructed us to do. And he'll take care of the rest of the details. If we're going to die, we're going to die, but best to be on mission. And so I think there's a lot we can learn from the example of Jesus, uh, as well as from the questions he asks.
0: I think that's a great thought that brings us to the reality of what faith is all about. Faith is trusting that God is who He says He is, and He's going to do what He promised to do. So do we, of course, we're all going to die one day. you I mean, you're right. It's like, okay, it's going to happen. Instead yeah. of fearing it, expect it and say, I trust that I'm in God's hands with this. I trust that God knows best. I, I, I will trust the one who knows everything with my life. Um, wow. John Knox,
1: the Reformer, said, I'm invincible until the day God calls me home. Wow. There's a guy who's on
0: mission, right? Wow. That's bold. That yeah. is bold. I think we need some more of that. I mean, I think in the church today, we're missing a little bit of that kind of, no, I'm I'm good. It's like, okay, whatever God has, let's go, you know, Absolutely. let's go. Yeah, we just celebrated the
1: anniversary of the missionaries, uh, Jim Elliott and those guys, you know, what a legacy they left us. Uh, of boldness you know to just do the father's will
0: wow to think that if they had lived if they were not killed by that tribe they might have had some good ministry there and then it stopped there couldn't may not have been the ripple effect around the world that we see today just
1: the modern day missions movement yeah you know in in the middle of the 20th century and um so, you know, God has his purposes and plans, and it doesn't mean that no harm will ever come to us, but we know that nothing touches our life that's not filtered through the, the hands of a loving Father. Wow.
0: What, okay, hit us with another one. What's another question that you're like, okay, I got to, I, this will give you a peek inside the mind of God, the mind of, mind of Christ when you, when you think about this question.
1: Yeah. You know, I I just, there are so many of them. Um, I I like the question that he asked early on uh, of the disciples um, where he says, what are, uh, what are you seeking? Mm. Um, You know, that was a good one because I think it was a question that they needed to ask. And and I I think if you look at the life of the disciples, um, they certainly had ambitions. You had one that was a zealot. You had one that's a tax collector. You know, you have several of them that are very politically minded. Uh, Certainly there was an antagonism against the, the Romans. But I think, you know, Jesus wanted to know from the beginning, what what are you trying to get out of this? Like, why are you following me? And uh, I think that's something that we need to ask people, maybe not form it so much as an initial question, but when we do evangelism, um, we need to be mindful of that because there's a a narrative or a version of the gospel (sighs) um, that's presented, particularly on Christian television that says, if you come to Jesus, he's going to give you a Rolls Royce, Gonna give you a four million dollar mansion. Uh, You're gonna be healthy and prosperous. You're never gonna have any troubles in your life. And people go, Oh, really? Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'll come to Jesus if that's the deal. We'll, you know, make that kind of deal. Yeah, I'll do that. And uh, I think the question is, Well, what are you seeking? You know. And I think the the thing that we ultimately need to seek is Jesus Himself. You know. Obviously, there are gifts and blessings sometimes that God gives us, but really Jesus Himself is the greatest gift. And uh, the other question, you know, why do you call me Lord? Uh, that, that one is important too, I think, because, um, you know, Jesus said, you, you, you say, Lord, Lord, but then you don't do what I say, you know, and I think that's another one that there's just a lot of people within the church that, you know, they're cultural Christians, they're convenient Christians, and when things are going well, uh, they're all about Jesus, but boy, things get rough, and, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, hey, yeah, I didn't sign up for this, this isn't, you know, this isn't what I wanted out of Christianity. And so, um, is Jesus in control or not? You know, who who is the king of your life? ultimately? And so these questions really get to the heart, not just of the people that Jesus asked them to, but of us. you know, any question that was deemed uh, important enough to be left in Scripture by the Holy Spirit has application for us, right? And uh, we know also that Jesus said we give account on the day of judgment for every idle word we speak. So Jesus mm. never spoke idle words. So if he spoke something, there's something that we need to learn from it.
0: I tell you, I'm, I'm sitting here going, guys, ugh, you, you need to get this book for yourself and you need to get a copy for your pastor or just send this to your pastor and say, I just got a 20 week sermon series for you. Yeah. Here are 20 questions Jesus asked because you're right, every single one of these, we can look introspectively and go, that's a great why they call me Lord. Well, you know, what are you seeking? Uh, what is it going to profit if a man gains the whole world and loses his soul? I mean, all these, it's like, that's, this is so good for us today. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. And when I did questions God asked some questions Jesus asked, before I wrote the chapters, I just made the outlines. And when I saw that the topics that were covered, Basically, if you outline the topics, it looked like a systematic theology manual, like almost all the major doctrines of the Christian faith were being addressed, you know, um, evangelism, worship, servanthood, uh, forgiveness, just on and on. I was like, man, this is like all the major doctrines being taught. Through these questions that Jesus asked or that God asked in the Old Testament. So people have used these for adult Sunday school classes, small groups. I've had pastors that have said that they've taught through whole series, just as you, you suggested. And that, that of course makes me, you know, super excited. But how I initially envisioned it, and I, I love to see that application in churches, but how I initially envisioned it was families sitting down using these books as a supplement for family worship and family devotions, where they would read it aloud as a family, because these questions spur more questions. And as a parent, I love engaging with my own children on these. So that always warms my heart when I hear people say, yeah, we just did this as a family and went through all the questions as a read aloud. Then I'm always like, yes, <laughs> because that's what I initially had in my mind when uh, when I wrote it. it. was It would be perfect for that setting.
0: Well, however you guys end up using it, I'd encourage you to use this book. You got to think about the fact that Questions are a good thing. From the time you're born to the time you die, you're going to ask a whole lot of questions. Why, when, where. As a kid, you start with just why, 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 but then you end up going, okay, well, who am I? Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going when I die? And your answer to those questions are going to be reflected in the way you live out your life. So it's important to have the right answers to the right questions. The book that he wrote, Questions Jesus Asks, is is powerful and it will really help you do some introspection in your own life and what what better time than at the beginning of a year to start off asking yourself some of these questions that Jesus himself asked hey uh, we got a couple winners here I want to give those away for our creation partners I'm so glad you guys are partnering with us Uh, Jordan Jordan Powell you are going to be the winner of today's uh, ebook giveaway Uh, For those of you joining me on the Genesis Facebook page, I see a bunch of you on there. Jeffrey Hunt. Jeffrey Hunt, you are our winner. All you need to do uh, is email us, comments at creationtoday.org, comments at creationtoday.org. So Jeffrey Hunt on the Creation Today Facebook uh, page. Henrik. Uh, Pastor Henrik, H-E-N-R-I-K, you are our winner. Please email us, comments at creationtoday.org. And on YouTube, Tracy Peterson, Tracy, you are our winner. Uh, So send us an email, comments at creationtoday.org, and we will get you that book. I'm so glad you guys uh, are getting that and participating in these conversations. I really do think that it would be beneficial for you to listen to all of the conversations that we have each week, and not just the first half, but the whole thing. And to do that, you can just partner with Creation Today. We're an organization that's turning stumbling blocks into stepping stones on people's journey to Christ, and we don't want to stop until we reach the whole world. So if that's your goal as well, partner with us at creationtoday.org. Thank you guys so much for joining me on YouTube and on Facebook. We're going to kick you guys off and go kind of behind the scenes and uh, I want to ask Israel about kind of his family. He's got a family update for us um, and some more of these questions and, and some of the challenges, some of the personal things he learned and some of the things he hopes we will learn from this. If you want to join me for the second half, go to creationtoday.org and become a partner of Creation Today. Thank you guys for joining me.